You'll fit right in. I think you got I, this I am, I am right at home. I worked on a show entirely about butts, so yeah, I'm right at home. I think you can handle this. <laughs> Gee, you, see, you already worked on a show that's all about butts, so you can be on our assy podcast. Exactly. I am the king and queen of butts. Sorry to both of you. Aw. Let, let her rip. <laughs> <laughs> Beyblade, Beyblade, let it rip. <laughs> to the SoxCast episode 15.1. I hate everything, and I'm Polly. And to my immediate virtual right, as always, his rap name is Penis Energy. It's Penis Energy. Oh, are you talking to me? How's it going, Penis Energy? Yeah, what's up, Penis going Energy? Okay. Going all right, going all right. How's that Penis Energy holding up? Perfectly. <laughs> Just like the Eiffel Tower. Yep. And to my immediate virtual left, rock over London, rock on Chicago, John Thayer. He's what's for dinner. Hi. How's it going, John Thayer? Pretty well. How jealous are you? Of How, penis energy? Of, of penis energy. Pretty jealous. I would be too. I would be too if I wanted a wingding. But I don't. <sighs> we should all be jealous. It's because, but, well, actually, it's the listeners that should be jealous, because tonight, very special, we're hanging out with somebody it's, it's on the hamper seat that's so freaking rad. I can't believe we snagged this person as a guest. He is the vocal chameleon, acclaimed voice actor and director, the voice of Socksmart, and his rap name is not Penis Energy. It's D-Mac, Devin Mac, da-dee-da-da, to the double Macklemore, Macadocious Esquire, Sensei, Chon Senpai, marrying a basketball, Devin Mac the third. And that's only the first half of my name. I had to truncate it in order to make sure we could fit this podcast into an appropriate length. <laughs> and that's why you're the pro here. Speaking, uh, of, speaking of appropriate links, how about that penis energy? <laughs> oh... What a what a glorious name! I, I think we need to give him an Irish version of that name, though, considering it is St. Patrick's Day. Ah, you are correct. I think we should maybe call it uh, Opinely or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Redimus Opinely. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Mac, thanks for joining us here. Oh, it is a pleasure, and I am ready for all of the video games and and what else may come my way. Speaking of penis energy. (laughs) (laughs) This joke's not going to get old. Uh, So, um, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Who I am? Well, I am the greatest voiceover artist in the history of the world. Uh... Okay, maybe not the greatest, maybe like... No, I just checked your Wikipedia uh, entry, and you are listed as the greatest voiced artist in the world. Oh, snap! My update came there already? Cool. Uh, Fantastic. Uh, So I guess that is true now. Uh, Yeah, I do that. I... I used to play a lot of the basketball. Now I watch a lot of the basketball, wishing I were playing a lot of the basketball. And, uh, that's me. I'm the voice and basketball guy. 
pretty you, much. And you want to marry a basketball. And I want to marry a basketball. And in my opinion, I already have. And I don't care what the courts say. I don't care what the government says. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what you say. I don't care. Uh, basketball, basketball, basketball. Uh, let's go on to another subject, shall we? Oh, uh, sure. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, as we are wont to do on this podcast, um, what you been up to? I know that, you know, we, we had to bring you on this podcast, first of all, because you are, you know, the first and foremost voice when it comes to opinions on video games. And oh, how's nice. the video games treating Devin Mac? How's the video games? Uh, well, I directed Apotheon, the ancient Greek action platformer that, that released on uh, PS4 and Steam last month. Inspired so, by Dark Souls. Yeah, everything is inspired by Dark Souls, and uh, yeah, and uh, so I, I'm really, really proud of uh, how that turned out. I got to work with a lot of very talented people. I uh, got to work with Edwin Tiong because he in, he is in everything that has ever been made. He's in things that I haven't even created yet, and I don't know how he did that. I, it's 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 really a mystery to me as as well. As he likes to say, he's he's like the herpes. He just shows up everywhere when you least expect it. <laughs> I was go- I was going to take a nicer approach and say he's the Nolan North of Newgrounds, but um... <laughs> no, I think he'd prefer it that way. Yeah, I, I mean, come to think of it, he does strike me as a herpy though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that guy. Love that that herpes. Oh, Ormadong. Uh, yeah. So, so that's what it's uh, mostly been about with me. Just being covered in being covered in ancient Greece, all over. All over. Speaking of penis energy. <laughs> um. So, um, we'll get more in depth into uh, your role in that game, uh, as well as we want to talk a bit about your work on Dustin Elysian Tale, and of course, you know, a lot of your roots going back into stuff like Newgrounds and all of that, and how you oh, and yeah. Rhett, and how you and Rhett got hooked up, and we'll we'll be uh, recording that, um, you know, when everybody's got the time here. I guess sometime either later in the week or you know next weekend, whatever, anytime. Uh, that'll be episode fifteen point two. So. What else have you been up to? I mean, not even video game related, but uh, you've been talking about the old sports ball, so um, that's a bit of a new topic. Why don't you give us some sports ball? Okay, let's have let's have some sports ball. Let me first of all talk about the Golden State Warriors and why they are the greatest team in basketball. You've got the best shooting backcourt in the history of the league, highest percentage shots. You've got a player like Maurice Spates who can come in off the bench, give you 15 points in 15 minutes. He's going to put up double-doubles. He's going to be knocking down things with the greatest perimeter shot I've ever seen from a big man. And that, to me, is why uh, sports are amazing. And you don't know what I, I said, did you? I like Marcus, <laughs> I like Marcus Baker, too. He He's like he's like out there and he's like throwing that ball in the air and every time he throws it I just get up out of my seat and I'm like yeah you throw that ball He's so good. And let me tell you about Magic the Undertaker Jordan. He is one of the greatest. I don't know if you've ever seen Space Jam, but he also did the voice of every single character. Uh, He plays hockey. He plays football. He plays lacrosse. He can do it all. The Undertaker? Like the... The wrestler? He's also a wrestler, yeah. Oh he wow. Is, he is he is he is eight feet tall. Uh he trains animals. Man, I, I you guys are missing out. I don't know why I don't know why you don't watch sports. Sports Why do they sports. call him why do sports, they call sports, him sports, sports, sports? Why do they call him dead? Because uh, I'm like it's okay, it's my understanding he's he's an undertaker, right? Mm-hmm. He's the guy that prepares the bodies, but why does he have to be dead to do that? 
Um, well, the thing is, he kind of, um, how do I put this? Uh, he kind of has a thing for the dead. I think I, I get what you're saying here. <laughs> you're be, you're making a not so subtle wink and nod that he really likes playing dress up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that guy. That guy. That guy's crazy. <laughs> Him and his tallness. Oh, the tallness, yeah. I literally know nothing about him other than that he is a character. And I think that it's very funny that... It's just like, who concocted that story? It's like, all right, he's an undertaker, but he's dead. It's like, why did he have to be dead to be an undertaker? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never quite figured it out. But I, I, I loved how, for whatever reason, they decided to, like, pair him with a mortician named Paul Bearer. My dad met those two, actually. <laughs> oh, wow. But yeah, he, yeah he, and he had, like, the craziest voice, too. He always, like, he was, like, 500 pounds. And he'd always <laughs> say, oh, the Undertaker's going to make you rest in peace. Oh, yes. I like that. And it was so ridiculous, yet for some reason, it, it scared the hell out of me as a little kid. Oh, no. I, I don't know why, but it, it just did. Looking back now, it's, it's, it's hilarious. But back then, there was just, I don't know, something about it. You believed that it was all real. And some of us still do. It's still real to you, damn it. <laughs> still real to me, damn it. Oh, cool. So, um, other than your various directing activities and sports ball, have you been up to anything else? I mean, are you just like chilling out, watching anything? Or uh, any you know, new, ch- chilling any- out, maxing, relaxing, all cool, shooting, shooting some b ball outside of the school. Exactly. Then a couple of guys were up to no good. Uh, then I ran away very quickly. Uh, you no, didn't. You perfect. didn't. You did not get in one little fight. Oh no! I didn't even wait for that to happen. I just, I just moved in with my auntie and uncle in Candyland, Canada, what have you. How's Canada treating you? <laughs> uh, not snowing right now, which that's, is that's good. Which is a, oh. a miracle, which is always good. Uh, how, how about you guys? I know you both got it pretty bad as well this oh, winter. Yeah, Death I, I didn't winter. get it. I didn't get it nearly as bad as uh, penis energy. Uh, I don't think <laughs> um, we did get about like a foot and a half um and it did like clog up traffic and there were like school closings and all of that and i was out shoveling and getting all tired because why why can't other people just come do this dumb boring work for me but um how was it for you penis energy uh we got a few inches more snow the other day Uh uh-huh got a few inches Uh uh-huh yeah so boston actually just hit the like all-time record Mm -hmm. with that extra they were like one inch behind, like the old record, but they pushed forward and we made it. You should have just shown them just a tip and <laughs> yeah. it would have been just <laughs> enough to push you guys over the edge. Well, now when people say this was the worst winter ever, they literally mean it. Yeah. Hey, hey, y'all. What's up, John? Fuck you. No, hey. no, no, fuck you. Hey. <laughs> I know what hey. he's going to say and he's just, tr- he's hey. going to anger me. It was 87 degrees today. Well, it was like it was like sixty four. I hate you. It was sixty four here. Brr, that's pretty chilly. Yeah, John, where, John, where do you live? Uh, Florida. Okay. Uh, what's what's your home address? <laughs> 
I have that. Don't worry. I can pass that to you afterward. Good. Cool. So, um, anything else you've been up to or just chilling out? Uh, yeah, not, not really a whole lot. Uh, I did get to meet, uh, cause one of the reasons why I love the Golden State Warriors so much is I, I've mentioned previously, uh, I actually had one of, uh, their players, currently their best player, Stephen Curry, was a classmate of mine in middle school. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were teammates, and I actually got to meet up with him after one of his games on, uh, I think it was maybe about two or three weeks ago. Oh, that's oh. awesome. Now, <laughs> well, it sounds awesome at first. What, the thing is, we were actually never really close friends. We didn't, like, hate each other, but we barely knew each other in the, in the first place. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so this just- guy... This guy is literally the president's favorite basketball player. And you are He's his gone- best friend for life. Uh, right. Hey, buddy. <laughs> so, so when I meet this guy after the game, it's literally like two days after he has gone to the White House and hung out with the president. And, and all that. It's like, <laughs> oh, you know, Stephen Curry is the greatest basketball player uh, that I've ever seen. And, and I'm meeting the guy and I, I literally have like nothing to say. I'm like, what, what do you say to a guy who just met the president? I'm just like, the, the idle voices for the, uh, the uh, ever heard of Beyblade? Oh. <laughs> I, I hear that all of the basketball player guys are all up on their Beyblade. They play it in the locker room. That's how they get motivated uh, to, you know, to get going before one of their sports games. I hope so. I hope so. You know what? I could actually see that. I could actually see that in this day and age. You never know. Can you explain Beyblade to me? Because I do not. I mean, I get it, but I don't. Like, it's just just spinning dreidels. That's, yes, that is exactly what it is. Uh, Although my, uh, my friend Ben Israel, who worked on the show, is extremely disappointed they did not have an Israeli team because they would have been the masters of it. Jeez. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's pretty much what if dreidels were all made of metal and had spikes on them and shot laser beams? Don't they also have like holograms that come out of them? Like, yes, they do. Yes, they do. Okay. They have uh, they they have foxes. They have bulls. And mine had a compass for some reason. That's kind of a boring power. It well, it's a compass that shoots electromagnetic laser beams at people, and it broke a kid's arm somehow. So I can live with that. I am all about breaking kids' arms. <laughs> so, you so um, Beyblade is to dra- dreidels as Yu-Gi-Oh is to card games. Ah, uh, yeah, that's that's just that about it. Fair. Except right. except I'd say I'd say Beyblade has about ten times more screaming than Yu-Gi-Oh ever did, and that to me makes it better. Yeah, yeah. Did, um, did Yu-Gi-Oh have like people losing their souls in that game? <laughs> no, I think like I, I, I think that was, was like the first season. I think that was like the first yeah. season, which was really dark. Mm. Um, and then like they went like made for you know children kind of stuff after that. I guess. Well, you know, they they did the typical thing of like editing things out to uh, you make them seem a lot less violent. Like, like uh, you, you see this this spinning blade over here with the really sharp edges. Well, you see that 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 blue beam that was clearly added in post. <laughs> it's a it's a teleporter, so that when the blade touch you, it will transport you to the shadow realm, which is not death, but it really sucks. <laughs> 
I remember this vividly. <laughs> and that that wasn't the first season. I think they um I think they basically kind of kept to it. Mm, I tell you, the, the only thing I remember five shows about Beyblade so. though is I remember uh, a couple years ago some kids like got them and they were shooting them off in their parents' bathtub <laughs> and uh it broke like everything inside like completely demolished the tub and then oh, their wow. and their parents uh just sold their their kids' entire collections on eBay <laughs> to uh pay f- to recoup the costs of the tub. <gasps> oh my goodness. These are the That's greatest really parents funny. in the world. Look what you've inspired, Mac. You're, like, killing bathtubs everywhere. No, see, they did it wrong. You're supposed to use a salad bowl. Oh. A lot less costly. (laughs) Yeah, I can get a salad bowl for quite cheap, but the last time I went bathtub shopping, it was... I I don't remember the exact cost, but I'm pretty sure it cost a bit more Mm. than a salad bowl. I wonder if their kids were somewhat inspired by by Breaking Bad when they're like, just like, you know, why get a salad bowl when I've got a perfectly good tub I can use? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great, great moment in that series. <laughs> oh, yes. Mm, very appetizing moment. Mm, yums. <laughs> oh, wait. I think I might know what Polly's talking about. The first series, which was like five seasons of Yu-Gi-Oh! was all weird and dark. And then after that, they had the one where they went to high school, and then they had another series where they were playing the card games, but on motorcycles. What? Oh, yes. How do you play a card game on a motorcycle? How how don't you play a card game on a motorcycle? (laughs) (laughs) D-Mac asks the important questions. That's what I'm here for. As enemies. Questions. Our anime idea is just made on a bet now. Like, I bet you can't make a game about dreidels. Oh, yeah? Will you make a game or an anime where the girls are soda cans? Yeah, we'll make an anime about intense bread baking. Oh, that happened too. Yes. Make an anime about lesbian bears. Oh, wait. That is a thing. There's a show about people who battle over lunches called Bento. Like, oh, okay. the, the premise of the show is that like the lunches get sold for half off at this one time, so they all go and fight over it. I think like, it's safe to say, as far as anime ideas, we've bento the bottom of the barrel. So, <laughs> okay. I need to see this show and work on it. I I just love the idea of it now. Let's so, get it. Let's get it localized. I am I am going to get right on that. You buy and, all the rights for the animes, don't you? Uh, That's your job. You buy the animes and then make them American. That is exactly what I do. And and I'm going to have people like eating a sushi roll and I'll be like, mmm, this pizza is delicious. <laughs> I sure do love hamburgers. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I, I had, Yummy we jelly just, donuts. We actually jelly. just watched that episode like two nights ago and I looked over and, and we were we – we kind of – fall asleep to Pokemon. <laughs> I just looked over and I, wow, this sure is a great jelly donut. <laughs> cool, cool. So, Mac, you don't play video games at all anymore, huh? Um, not very frequently. What's unless the, they is- were made more than ten years ago or I worked on them or someone I know worked on them. Even then, it's still kind of maybe, maybe not. Okay, besides Dust and Elysian Tale... What is the last video game you've played? What is the last um, 
that that Nintendo thing, Super Mash Potatoes Four 3DS. That thing. Oh, that's uh, pretty recent. That's yes. actually, yeah, that's pretty recent. You're... Super Smash Brothers Four 3DS. Aha, uh-huh, they're Wait, being very actually. clever a little bit, but not really that clever with their title. Uh, yeah, so I've been playing that a bit, mainly because uh, one of the Dust actors and my student, Xander Mobis, vo- voices the narrator and master hand in that game. Ooh, you gotta tell the story about, um, uh, about getting him to say Duck Hunt. jeez, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that speaks for itself. But, it's just uh, funny, though. It's like, how, you've got to wonder how many takes it took for them. It's like, duck hunt. <laughs> duck hunt. Duck hunt. Exactly. Duck oh, hunt. So many times, so many times. And I, I think the one that they finally took was when he spaced it out by like three seconds and said, <laughs> duck hunt. Just <laughs> emphasize that and H really hard. Duck <laughs> 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 and then, and then he passed out in the booth, and then uh, and then when he woke up, they were uh, able to continue, and he still got uh, he still got paid for that. He, I think he actually passed out on purpose just to stretch out the length of the session and to get paid. More. <laughs> I want to be a voice actor. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez. Oh, uh, so um, if you haven't done anything else, then I'm going to be greedy and talk about me. Uh, be my guest. All right, I'm gonna be greedy and talk about me. Um, no, I want to talk about me some more. Okay. No, that's it. I, I got nothing else to say. <laughs> Carry on, Mac. You are interrupting a delicate flow. I'm this, so sorry. This I'm podcast okay. is sacred ground, and you are trying to sully it. I'm new at this. All right, I, I don't do a lot of talking. I'm just trying <laughs> okay, my best. It's okay. I don't do a lot of talking in the microphones with headphones on at all. I know nothing about it. It's my he might first be acting with it's his my voice. First, oh, it's my first. It's my first time. Be gentle. <laughs> Speaking of penis energy. Ah. Uh, anyway. Um. Um. I guess I'll start off with. Uh, I got a couple emails asking me uh, for impressions on Hotline Miami Two. And uh, oh. I I haven't really had a chance to play it yet. Um, I haven't even booted it up yet. Uh, I just I feel that I've got to be in a mood for that game, and like the mood hasn't really hit me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, hopefully by the next time we do um, a what the crap are you doing um, episode, I will have actually played it and or finished it by then. Uh, but uh, the only thing I got up to was I got a wild hair up my ass and decided to play uh, Parasite Eve on the PlayStation 1. Oh, um, I've been thinking about that game. That game's really... It, that game still holds up pretty well, I think. It's really good. Um, uh, so it's, it's, it's basically like this kind of action-y RPG thing set in... Um, well, what would be modern day for 1998? It's set in uh, 1997 in New York, and it's so weird. Like, because the game is actually a sequel to a Japanese novel that was super popular. <laughs> um, but like, and, and the game actually like references things from that that like I only now understand because like the novel's been translated. Um, so it's, it's just like like what happened in Japan 12 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's like I played the game um, back in 98, and, you know, it, it for the most part makes sense because they don't 
they play a bit fast and loose with tying it as a sequel to the original property, but there are references to, you know, the original Eve uh, in the game, because uh, I don't think she, I think she is actually mentioned by name, and they actually go into the incident uh, that happened in Japan, but they don't, but, but they give it enough context to where you're able to tie it to the events that are currently happening. So basically, um, this game is kind of like Metal Gear Solid levels of stupid, um, and I love it every moment for that. Okay, now you've got my interest. Um, so basically, it's like, the game is about the mitochondria in cells, and how that can go rogue and give people crazy powers. Um, so, you know, like... They've been plotting, waiting in our cells where we least expected them. Exactly! This is the story to the game. The cells are rebelling against humanity. They are plotting. So it's kind of like evil nano machines exactly exactly son um and 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 by the end of the game it's just like it's so crazy that you're fighting this gigantic deformed baby on an aircraft carrier that that metamorph that's like it's like crawling around and falling over like an idiot yes and, and then it morphs into the various stages of man um but but it's just like the game starts out though where it's got this great opera scene great opera scene where like the lead actress like starts singing and setting everybody in the audience on fire and they all just oh, start yes they just and start it's like the cg like pre-rendered movie and yeah it and it's great. really well directed um just like it's got expert directing behind it it's got fantastic framing you know great blocking in the scenes and everything and it's just like and people are just like erupting into flames and like melting into this goopy goo and it's just like it, it's totally gross about it too you know they don't hold back on like oh wow this guy's eyeballs being forced out you know because of the crap that's in his body just trying to pour out and it's like, <laughs> oh my god this is so gross uh, and they do the same thing with like most of the enemies in the game get proper introductions like that and most of the enemies in the game are mutated animals uh, except for one part near the end, which is super great. And I think, oh my goodness, I, I think Mac will be even happier once I get to that. But it's just like oh. you know, the, the first enemy you come across is just like this rat, and it just like it's like you know, its skin starts shedding, and it like grows an extra fucking mouth, and like its <laughs> eyes are popping out of its sides and stuff, you know. But then um, late in chapter five, you're in a museum, and. Um, the, the the gigantic mass of goop that, you know, is from basically two incidents. You know, there was an incident at the theater, and then there's an in- incident at Central Park where just this massive pool of people goo, you know, just kind of erupts from the sewers and starts rolling around the town. And it makes its way to the museum, and it starts... <laughs> It starts getting onto dinosaur fossils and dinosaur bones. And oh my god, at the, yes. At the end of the chapter, I'm not shitting you, you fight a metamorphosed T-Rex. Ah! I'm crying it's, a little bit now. It's so this is good. Beautiful. Uh, but I was just so amazed at how, how well all of that held up. 
like it's it's a goofy story, and as long as you suspend your disbelief and enjoy it for what it is, it's just amazing. You know, Why the game you, the game not, plays it completely straight, which I think is what really makes it work. Because if it was trying to play it for a laugh or play it as campy, it would not work the way it does. But the, like the characters and everybody in the world are just this is such an utterly serious incident. But they're just they're all just. Oh my god, and it just makes the entire absurdity of the game's narrative work so well. Why are people not constantly talking about this game? This sounds like one of the greatest creations in the history of mankind. I really really forgot how much I loved it until I played it again. Because I haven't played it for well over ten years. Um, And I was just amazed at how well it it, it holds up. Even, you know, like... You know, and the combat is sort of like... Well, well, the gameplay is sort of a structure between RPG and survival horror, only you're given a lot of ammo, so it's not really survival horror. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you've got a lot of ammo, you get a lot of cool parasite powers, which are basically magic spells that you can throw around, like fireballs, or, you know, you can cast haste on yourself and stuff, and... Um, uh, it's got turn-based combat, which works in a way that uh, you enter a fight... And uh, you can move around uh, until your attack gauge is full. And then you bring up, a, like, and when you stop to attack, you bring up a dome around your character representing, you know, your range of fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can just select attacks like that. And uh, the better you do, like, the more uh, experience and bonus points you get for leveling up. So if you take less hits, you know, you will get higher uh, bonus points uh, the next time you level up and stuff, which adds a lot of customizability because. Um, like any trait, uh, including like, uh, parameter bonuses or like special abilities, like, oh, well, these bullets are acid based. You can like use tools to carry those over to any new equipment. So like, even though you're getting rid of your old equipment, you can carry over all of your stats and bonuses from it. So, um, it's really easy to just build yourself some ridiculous, you know, stupidly, ridiculously powerful weapons. Um, and I still found it amazingly fun to interact with all of that. Absolutely. It's a really fun engine. You should definitely check it out. You've got a PS3, don't you? Uh, yes, I do. They've got it on uh, PS1 Classics uh, on PSN for, like, I think seven bucks. I might just do that. Don't hold me to that. I won't hold you. To, I, I never I never hold you any to anything video game related. So. Does it have lots of big explosions in it? Yes. Okay, this helps its chances significantly. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty... It, it gets positively ridiculous by the end. Um, and oh, the, cl- the, the big final gauntlet is great. Oh, it really is. It's just like, you know, like, they topple the the Statue of Liberty, and you fight Eve on top of what remains of the Statue of Liberty, which is (laughs) really fantastic. And then there's the final boss, which is, you know, gigantic baby monster on on an aircraft carrier, which is great. (laughs) But there's an escape sequence, too. Yeah, and there's an escape sequence. It's all just so good. And and mm-hmm. it and sounds like they did everything right. They really did. Even uh, the personification of Ayabrea, who is uh, the lead character, you know, she's not sexualized in any way. Mm-hmm. Uh, she never makes light of the fact that, oh, well, I'm a girl and doing all this. She's just like straight up, I'm doing this because this shit's got to be done. And stuff. and that's really awesome that you know it's it's a pretty forward thinking game I think and uh, like which makes what they did with the third birthday. 
uh, on PSP even more depressing because they basically went like the total opposite of that direction. Oh, like she gets hit and her clothes fly off. Oh, oh. no. Yeah. So, so, so previously she was like, you'd say she was like Samus before exactly. Samus started crying all the time. Exactly. <laughs> and then they turned her into other M. Um, but yeah, all of that kind of like made me want to maybe revisit Parasite Eve 2, which wasn't quite as good. Um, because more it, straight survival horror. Yeah, like, they RPG, even right? they even like brought out bad tank controls. Mm-hmm. This is like, oh great, you know the game. The first game had excellent movement. Now I've got to deal with tank controls, and um, it's a story that I didn't think really needed to be continued. And they just they jump off of it in a weird way where it's like Aya is in some big mitochondria monster fighting unit under government control now or something really stupid. Wait. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, it's it's. I'm probably gonna give it a look because I haven't played that game probably since it came out, which was I think it was 2000. I want to say. Um, you know what the other big square RPG that um. Takashi Tokita, the director of Parasite Eve, made uh, Vagrant Story. Really? I think so. Um, Vagrant Story isn't listed under his credits. I'm looking oh, right well, here. I thought I thought that's the way you were going since both mm-hmm. games are pretty similar. Because, um, because he, he was the he was the lead designer on Final Fantasy IV. Oh, well, that so makes sense. That that's actually coming off of that game this week was I was what I was thinking a lot about Parasite Eve because oh. it's it's this. Um, because Parasite Eve is just that super dumb but super concise and fun game. That's what and Final Fantasy IV is. Exactly, and they're the same director. It's just interesting. We can talk about that more later, hon. Cool. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I like you know, and like this was basically, I guess, sort of the prototype for what they would do with Vagrant Story uh, a year or two later, because it's got basically the same kind of combat where you know you can run around and like you stop time, bring up an action globe around your character to attack and all that. But that game is much oh, more. I never knew that Vagrant Story came out um, after Parasite Eve for some yeah. reason. I always thought of that one as the prototype. Yeah, Parasite Eve, Parasite Eve was kind of done when Square was sort of in their big, like, pre-rendered background phase of, like, Final Fantasy VII, Parasite Eve, Final Fantasy VIII, um... Saga. Uh, yeah, Saga, Parasite Eve two, um... And all of that fun stuff, so... Pretty, pretty great period. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty... Those are some pretty solid games. It's in some good company, I gotta say. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's basically all I did, and I'm... Like, I'm happy I revisited that game. I don't know what made me want to. Like, it was just like, I was looking through PS my PS1 collection. I was like, huh, there's Parasite Eve. I haven't played that in a while. Eh, I'll throw it on for a few minutes. And then it just ended up with me playing through uh, to the finish. Rad. Yeah, so that's about all I've been up to. I'm hoping to get around to um, Parasite Eve 2 and Hotline Miami 2, maybe by the next time we do one of these. Um... Uh, I guess I'll throw a shout out to the new Modest Mouse album is pretty solid, and the new Kendrick Lamar album is basically as much a hip hop album as it is an artistic statement, and you're going to be hearing a lot of people talking about that album for a long time to come. Um, so that's all I've been up to. Penis oh. energy. Wait a minute. What, what about the new Death Grips album? Shut up. It's Just shut up. It's not, it's out, not yet. out yet. 
No, Jenny Death does not come out. We have a date, though. Jenny Death is out on the 31st. So. Sure it is. Shut up. They're taking pre-orders, damn it. Shut up. Just let me believe. (laughs) Just let me believe. So hopefully by the next time we do episode 16, I'll have heard Jenny Death by then, and I'll be able to shut up about it, and people can actually refollow me on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now, penis energy. Hi. Vite (laughs) opinly, fella. Would you like to talk about what you've been doing? Uh, sure. Well, it sucks to be you, because we're going to talk to John first. <laughs> Yay! Actually, John, was... I'm fooling. We're going to talk to Penis Energy. What no! You been... I was secretly really happy. And... So what you doing, Penis oh, Energy? Married. What you been up to? <laughs> uh, I finally finished Yakuza 4. How did that, how did, how did that treat you? Uh, that game is very interesting, because... So I went back and kind of revisited the start of that game. Like, I watched the Giant Bomb quick look of it, mm-hmm. which was exactly what I expected they managed to pick, like, by far the most boring part of the game. <laughs> Which is the start. Well, it's, like, a half an hour in or something. Like, it's chapter two of the start, where you get this cutscene where it literally goes, cutscene, dialogue, 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 cutscene, dialogue, 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 cutscene. And Jeff is like, I really like how they went from a cutscene to more talking to back to cutscenes. It's just, like, <laughs> this incredibly long, boring scene that just... So, that, what I'm saying is, that game starts incredibly slowly paced and like to the point where I almost quit and I didn't basically as a whole a game is paced kind of like Hunters oh, oh where the, yeah I gotcha. <laughs> where stage one is kind of like when you look yeah. back at it it's the slow burn kind of start but it's kind of yeah. a necessity I guess mm-hmm. I, I guess stage one move a little bit move a little better than stage two just because it was a lot shorter yeah but anyways, the ending of Yakuza 4 gets so fucking stupid and so over the top. I was just, like, laughing my ass off it, like, oh, they're really <laughs> doing this, huh? Like, so kind of like, like me when I was playing Parasite Eve then. Just kind of yeah. like, yeah, this is so stupid. <laughs> it, it gets so stupid. It's weird because it takes itself so seriously, especially at the start. And then, so the end of Chapter 4, like, it felt like the game could have been over there, but there were a few loose ends, like the bad guys got away. So the good guys are like okay, we're going to take a billion dollars and put it on top of this building, and then the bad guys will come and try to get it. Like, this is a really stupid plan. <laughs> <laughs> so they're waiting to fish out the bad guys, and four bad, the four main villains show up, and they're all, like, arguing with, the, with each other, standing next to this literally giant pile of money. <laughs> and then your main protagonists come in, jump out of a helicopter, wearing these fancy black suits, and I realize, like, oh, shit, they're doing it. There's four bad guys oh, and no. four player characters, oh. and they each stare each other down, throw off their shirts, and yep. stare at each other. And there's four final boss fights in a row where you you play as each character and take out each of the villains one That's by one. Fantastic. And it's so fucking stupid and awesome. <laughs> and like they even paired them correctly, like which villain would work best with which one of the guys, like who had been wronged by them. And it's just this massive stupidity of like honor and pride and you were the chosen one. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> just, guys, okay, I think I like this a lot for all the wrong reasons. I think, these are, the, I think these are the right the reasons. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I am glad I stuck with this because it's really stupid and great. <laughs> That's fantastic. 
And then I actually went back to that game the next day just to play some of the more mini games. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, I could go for the pool and golf again. <laughs> and that game has a shitload of side quests. I'm like, not surprised. Yeah, that's that's one thing I noticed a lot about Yakuza Three is just it is so yeah. full of side quests. Like, so I went back and did a few more. So I think I had 13 done. And according to the the guides, there's a total of like 63 or something. What? So I'm like, what? oh, I'm like not even scratching the surface, but like I cannot put in like another 50 hours into this game to figure that out. That out. Yeah, it's like when I first heard that there were 480 side quests in uh, <laughs> Xenoblade Chronicles. I was like, nope. Oh <laughs> yeah, Xenoblade. I've heard is quite egregious with that crap. Where you don't need to do it at all. It's like everything is a side quest. It's like yeah. looking over the horizon is a side quest. <laughs> yeah, that game's mostly like MMO stuff. Like the side quests in the Yakuza 4 that I did were good, but it's just like, you know, I'm done the main story. Like I kind of don't care that much well, anymore. Haven't you all, haven't all of us like finished, finished a game and been like, yeah, that was pretty good, but you know what would have made it better? More ancillary side bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I look at video games, yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially Persona Q. That was me, buddy. I was uh, like, oh, I want all of the side quests. I want 20-hour dungeons. Sign me up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll say it looks good on paper when you can say, we have 500 hours worth of gameplay content. Does it look good, though? And only eight <laughs> of it is worth engaging with. <laughs> well, you don't tell them that part. Oh, I am terrible <laughs> at marketing. <laughs> This is why we have you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that's Yakuza. I don't know if I've been saying it wrong the whole time. Yakuza 4. I'm sure you're right on par there. One of those. Uh, so I played Valiant Hearts, which went up free on PlayStation Plus. I hate you. I wanted to play that, but I don't. The whole, my only means of playing it requires you play, and it went on sale yeah. last week. I was like, I'm not using you play. You play is really bad. Yeah, it's more like oh, you this, don't the want to play. You play? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. The st- glad I skipped the scale sale. Yeah. Yeah. Which is unfortunate, but that uh, looks cool. That game's really good. Neat. So it's like World War One adventure game, but it kind of plays like Limbo in a way, where you're just walking and kind of interacting with things and carrying things around to do very kind of basic adventure game stuff. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. and you have a dog with you for most of the game, so they Dogs. can summon the dog to do stuff. And I'm not sure what to say about this game, but it's really good. And the one problem with it, I think, is that it kind of has a whiplash between serious stuff like World War One. Like, it can get really dark, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then there's these weird comedic moments where, like, you're fighting Baron Von Bad Guy and, like, Music. There's music levels in it from like Rayman. Oh lord! <laughs> what? Like yeah. So it kind of has issues with the tone because it'll be like you're dodging objects in time to classical music one moment, and then next thing you're reading a thing about like mustard gas and oh, like God. trench warfare. Like yeah. Like, they should, they should have had a. They should have had a mustard gas escape set to a music level. Oh God! <laughs> I kind of like tonal whiplash in things. I've sort of realized this, but if it's like serving some kind of cooler purpose, yeah. But there's a there's a really good episode of Aaron Signal that I'm mm-hmm. kind of paired here where he talks about that. Like there was a good one earlier on where, like the girl, the nurse woman, is really happy to 
get to the front lines and it's playing upbeat music and then she gets there and it just the mood 180 like people mm-hmm. are dying she's like oh fuck like that mm-hmm. one works but a lot then of there are other ones that like, are just dumb yeah and the fact that the game has boss fights is really ridiculous <laughs> that but, uh, sounds really unnecessary yeah like you get Molotov cocktails or something or grenades and throw them into like the weak point it's just like really like super tanks but uh and then the ending of that game is whew. feels city yeah something like that like I talked about on the last of us podcast where that ending of the last of us kept me up at night mm-hmm and then Valiant Hearts did it again. Oh no! Where I just—I I woke up like in the middle of the night, like, oh, <laughs> just aggravated. It's, it sticks to your soul like a soppy goo. Yeah, yeah. I highly recommend that game. It's too bad they put fucking you play on the PC version. They, they pretty much doom any game to fail when they slap that crap on there. People just don't want to run two clients. And like, what's the like point? You, you play doesn't even launch for Steam. me. Yeah, like you play doesn't launch for me from Steam anymore. Like it broke at one point. <laughs> so to finish Assassin's Creed Four, I had to start opening you play by itself. Just is stupid. Mm. Uh, so so after that, I finished up a game I talked about on the podcast before, but. Mm-hmm. One of us here may know it. It's called a pot heon. Uh, yeah, oh, I've heard of that. Have you? Yeah, maybe. Did once you play or twice. it? Have uh, you played it? <laughs> I I played it once or twice <laughs> at a at a public demo. I got to play it. I actually don't own the game just yet, but I hope to sometime soon on a system that can actually run it because my computer sure can't. Oh. And you said, what the fuck are these Dark Souls controls? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I actually, I, I was really digging the controls during the, the demo that I got to play. I, I was able to get into it, though I've heard it was very difficult for a lot of people. But what did you Emma, which think? Which game again? Uh, a Apotheon. Apotheon. A Papanon. Papa John's. <laughs> a Papa Deborah, but Deborah. But diggy 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 said the boogie set up jump the boogie. <laughs> the porridge is gone. Porridge is so, gone, uh, Papa John. Lebanon. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one too. Kilganon. The porridge is gone to Lebanon. Lebanon, <laughs> Papa John, Lebanon. Kilganon. Uh. <laughs> what is even happening? I Carry don't on. know. Carry <laughs> Carry on. Uh so this game kind of lost me at the start because it felt very handholdy and guidey. Like they just stick those quest markers up like at the very start and just lead you along the whole time. Mm-hmm. That's it, so not. when I went back to it, I found it a lot more enjoyable to just kind of go at your own pace and not worry about finishing it. So just engaging with the side quests I found was really interesting like for as handholdy as like the main quest is, like the side quests are a lot more kind of old school where it's like you get an item and it says where to go but like there's no quest log or indicator or like okay you're on phase two of this quest now like it's just kind of a world and stuff happens and oh like you get a treasure map it says to go here and you have to go there and jump in the water and oh there's a thing down here Mm -hmm. so that was really cool so I ended up like doing everything possible before finishing the actual game and still not really a fan of the combat at all it's just so floaty and weird. 
and it was a little disappointing that the last two areas that I did, like one of them was Ares, God of War, and then the final boss, Gauntlet, were both very combat heavy. Mm. You can and do the- loosey goosey combat because I think, like you know, I think Dust is very loosey goosey combat, but it works. Dust doesn't have literally Dark Souls controls, though. No, it doesn't. That's like, true. Yeah. Dust was not extremely a- floaty in its in its style, too. <clears throat> but it, it was, but it worked because you had a air dash combo craziness. Mm. Like I don't know, just getting hit in a Pathion and having your characters kind of bounce up into the air is just yeah, weird. Yeah, you like, go you go flying. I mean, it makes it makes sense at some points where like you're fighting Poseidon on a boat and he just like fucking flings you across the whole arena. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> and then the last boss is strange. I'm not sure if you've seen it, Mac. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, I, I may not have uh, gotten to play through the whole game, but I have watched probably thirty hours worth of videos. Oh so man, yeah, uh, yeah, very, very well versed with how that plays out. The last boss is really weird because basically you become supersized and have to fight a god, Zeus, mm-hmm. and it's like it's basically what? a kaiju battle. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like a slower version of that part in Rocket Knight Adventures where you fight the other mech. Mm. So it's very much like, wait for him to attack, then attack, then step back, wait for him to attack. And so I died like five times there until I figured out the timing. (laughs) I'm just like, oh, this is miserable. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's a glitch in the game where if you start a new game and put it on the highest difficulty and then load your last save to the last boss... It counts as beating the game on the highest difficulty. (laughs) Oopsie! So, I got all the achievements. Look at me. (laughs) Good for you, you damn dirty cheat. (laughs) When you've only got one left, it's just like, oh, I can cheat or play through the entire game again. Oh, I think I'll cheat. (laughs) I can't blame you. What'd you think of the voice acting? Penis energy. Yeah, what, what about that penis energy? Oh, you're going to have to edit that. I will. Uh, the voice acting was good, but it didn't, like, stand out. Like, I hate to be critical. Oh, no. <laughs> like, no that's the voice okay. acting wasn't bad, and I think be it critical. did get... War- I warmed up to it more by the end, like especially like Zeus and Poseidon, like very intimidating characters. But just in Dust, where everybody was talking to each other, mm-hmm. was much more felt like your style. Like everyone in Apotheon just gives you things to do. Exactly. Yeah, you, you can't really get quite as engaging when you have that silent protagonist. So it's pretty yeah. much people talking at them constantly. Yeah, but like there's literally no back and forth in the dialogue at all. Exactly. Which, which was disappointing. Mm. But I tried to, I definitely tried to make it as, as fun as I can. I tried to have um, as much diversity as I could have within that world. Now, I know there were quite a few people who were a little disappointed that I didn't have Greek accents. But how many people out there really know what a Greek accent even sounds like, for one? <laughs> I honestly for- didn't until you showed and- me like the test. And, and and for two, ancient Greek is actually like a com- almost a completely different language. The pronunciations are, are are very very different, so it doesn't really totally apply. 
and I also think like when people are watching movies like like Jason and the Argonauts or or Ben Hur or uh, or the Ten Commandments, are they going to say, "Wait a minute, you know this isn't in in Latin or Hebrew"? <laughs> My immersion is completely lost. It's like, uh, you know, you, you got to kind of have something that can still be appealing to people who speak English. That's Because yeah. that's what the yeah. audience is mostly going to be. Didn't um, uh, that, that Mel Gibson movie, The Passion, do a bunch of Aramaic. Um, ancient Aramaic stuff? But then I hear it's also like completely wrong, too. <laughs> I heard something like that. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, they, they tried to be extremely accurate. They spent all of that, um, all of that money, all of that time doing all that research, but it ultimately wasn't really worth it for them. It didn't make the film that much better. It just makes it seem sophisticated. Uh huh. I, I admire them for trying, but it's just it's not always the right thing to do. And and for me, on an indie budget with uh, the the limited uh, uh, the limited talent pool that I had, although I'm extremely proud of my actors, there's some amazing people in that cast and a pizza cat. Um, Sonja Ball, uh huh, Sonja Ball voicing uh, Queen Hera, uh, another Polly. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, extremely proud of proud of her she came off as just uh oh the most the most brilliant asshole queen ever and i love her. <laughs> i killed her <laughs> oh how could you she gave you power i'm like i bet you don't have to you could just walk away stab <laughs> <laughs> never let it be said that uh penis energy will not walk away from an opportunity to stab you <laughs> I've got my eye on you, penis energy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, all in all, I'm, I'm really, really proud of, of my people, despite the limitations that we had. And you get to kill Omadong. Oh, oh, yes. Fantastic. Omadong? I, I, I like games where I get to kill Ormadong. Which is almost every game he's in. And yeah, in, in yeah. This game, In this game, he's actually already dead to begin with, and you get to kill him <laughs> again anyway. Yep. It's so wonderful. Yeah, he, he voices like random undead enemies. Yes. So. When I, beat, when I beat his character in Dust, I reloaded so I could kill it again. <laughs> <laughs> he deserves it. He does. He really does. And deep down, he really enjoys it, too. And deep down, he knows he deserves it. He's, uh, as we said before, he's, he's got a thing for death, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, a thing. <laughs> you mean he likes funerals a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What, do you think I was going to say he likes to fuck dead bodies? Oh, no, no, I no, would never no. say anything no, like that. That, that would be gross. No, no, no. That's, I mean, that's, that's him and dead animals. Totally different. <laughs> <laughs> what, what have I done? What have you people done to me? Um, I, I take no responsibility for the actions of anybody committed on this podcast. Fair enough. I mean, he's Australian. Exactly. I mean, who cares, right? It's what they do. It's part of the culture over there. We say, hey, hey, mate, you wanna, you wanna stick it in a wallaby? <laughs> it's just what they do for fun. <laughs> mm. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. 
I hope my mom's not going to be watching this. So. <laughs> we'll just say it was me that said it. Okay. We could do that. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to go on. Transition! <laughs> I played Prototype 2. I haven't heard a lot of good about that game at all. Uh, so I remember the original Prototype being like that game that kind of sold me on the next generation, you know, when those consoles were new mm-hmm. and stuff. Like, along with Fallout 3, I just remember seeing Prototype 2 and being like, you can throw helicopters at shit? My god, sign me up. Mm-hmm. And then I think Just Cause 2 might have come out first and kind of taken that spark away. So when I finally actually played Prototype, it wasn't that great, and it was way harder than I expected. Like, that game's really fucking hard. Yeah, right at the end, it gets unreasonable. Yeah. So I actually never even finished it because I was just like, you know what? Fuck this. Like, you just get trapped in the corner and shit combos you to death and fuck that. But uh, Prototype 2 is okay. Like, I think it plays better. But having played it post Saints Row 4, Mm. it's also kind of like, yeah. It's kind of like they took Saints Row 4 and sucked all the joy out of it. Oh. So it's like when you have two games that really play really very similarly where especially at the start of this you have the super jump and the super fast run but just that game takes itself so fucking seriously and not in a good way like parasite eve where it's funny but it's just like this fucking terrible story and these grim characters and just no humor whatsoever Mm. and there is this one part where it felt like they were trying to make a joke about hacking mini games or something. Oh no! Where yeah, you probably know what I'm going to talk about. And uh, I know. Go ahead. Yeah. So like they're like, Heller, you have to get the files off the computer, and your main character just goes, "I fucking hate computers," and starts like punching the keyboard or something. And yeah. Just like what? Like that's the one attempt at humor I think in the whole game, and it just doesn't even work. <laughs> at least, at least it wasn't a oh god, don't, like at least it wasn't the character going oh god, don't tell me it's a stupid hacking mini game, and then they oh, make a hacking mini game. Yeah, at least it's not Ooh. something that stupid. Yeah, but uh, so it's not. Uh, I wish I liked this game more because you know when it gets chaotic and you're like throwing helicopters around and shit and blowing up tanks, like it can be fun, but it's just kind of joyless and how about it goes about it. And I still finished it anyways because I'm horrible. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, and yeah, the ending is terrible. Like, I thought the game glitched out. The ending was so bad. Oh, God. Like, you beat the last boss, and there's a little cutscene, and the character goes, what should we do next? And then there's, the, there's like one second, and the game cuts, and then there's one frame of white, and then the credits start playing. Wow. And, and I... And I thought it broke, and then I looked on YouTube, and they had the exact same abrupt cut and white flash. I'm like, fucking really? Did they just stop at the end? They just didn't care to finish it? Just, we're done. Yeah. The soulless piece of tripe that we are producing, we're done. No one's going to beat this game anyways. Who's that stupid? (laughs) (laughs) Funny thing is that, like, you can see achievement stats on PlayStation now, and, like, 45% 45% of people actually beat it or something. Wow. Like, much higher than normal, yeah. That's kind of crazy. Whoa. I think it was that high. But yeah, that's that's a game. Mm. And then I played a little bit of Vanquish. Ah. Ooh. 
And that game's really good, but maybe yes, we should yes. save that for later. Yes. Cool. Vanquish is so good. It's so good. What? It's like they made me into a video game. <laughs> <laughs> they took the essence that I used to create hunters and said, we can do that too. Platinum Games <laughs> has that playfulness um, that mm-hmm. I just that I really love about their games. It's, there's just an overall joy in the chaos that happens in their games, and just how cr- I would almost like consider them a modern day treasure. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah I've thought mean? of that more than once. Yeah, and I think Platinum was Shinji Mikami, mm-hmm. who did yeah. Resident Evil Four. Yeah, so like that's like. The dream team, right there. Yeah, Plat- Platinum's big thing is Shinji Mikami and uh, the 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 block guy, yeah, Kamiya. blocking guy. Yeah, Kamiya. I thought Camille was yeah. like mostly them. I didn't realize they had other high talent up there. Yeah, it's really cool. So yeah, that game's really good. I'm about halfway through right now. Cool, cool. Chap- chapter three was fucking nuts awesome yeah i need to give that one a play just i want to get a wii u at some point just because there's there's like what four games i can play on no no there's bayonetta bayonetta 2 and um uh wonderful 101 yeah all great yeah, <laughs> i'm I, really excited i thought that they were teasing vanquish for pc for a while but we've not heard anything else on that front unfortunately ah uh, bummer sigh yeah i hope <laughs> I hope that happens. I really do. I want to play that game again. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. This this game has like such a sense of like being in the war, like mm-hmm. that I haven't really seen from anything else. Just action and explosions fucking everywhere and oh. robots <laughs> blowing cool. up. Cool. And sliding around. Oh yeah. The ri- ridiculous jetpacks and bullets. Ah! So good. <laughs> oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> cool. Yeah, anything anything else or <laughs> no, I'm done for once. Uh, so yeah, that's penis energy. It had a big old explosion all over your podcast ears, which means uh, it's now it's time for your and regular saga cast, right? Oh boy! No, I, I think didn't... news is next. Yeah, I think so. No, it's we... the saga cast. We better play the play the theme music. Penis penis energy. We really just better let him have this, or he'll never he'll never stop. One day right, he's well, gonna get tired of it. One day he well, will get tired. Let's of see. It. I I played. Wait. Mm-hmm. No wait. I didn't. I actually didn't really play any saga games the last two weeks because because gonna... like Saga <laughs> Three is really boring, and Romancing Saga is <clears throat> at. For the SNES, for the Super Famicom, I'm sure the PS2 remake is great. Romancing Saga is a t- 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 trying to. It's an acquired taste that I'm still working on figuring it's out. To t- terrible. Well, you see, everything is terrible if you're not coming at it from the right perspective. So I'm just kind of trying to worm my way into the perspective where Romancing Saga is interesting or I'm trying to fun. force myself to like something I know is probably bad. <laughs> yes. But that's kind of hard to do. Um, so 
Instead, I played a bunch of fun games, or rather two really, really fun video games. Um, and I forgot how much, how fun video games can be. Amazing, Oh my huh? god, I, I play a little bit of Assault Suit Vulcan, and I was like, oh yeah, this is, I forgot about this. And now it's like, oh wow, who knew, right? Games don't have to be like... Yes, who knew? Who knew video games didn't have to be like trying to crawl up a water slide with socks on your hands, covered in Vaseline, and then there's spikes at the bottom and you keep falling into them and having to get back on the slide. Sounds uh, like a typical trip to Australia. There you go. Um, so instead, I, so I played Gradius, the Interstellar Assault for the Game Boy. That's really good Game Boy shmup. I know. It's. I think it's my favorite Gradius game, if only by virtue of being the only one I've actually finished. Oh wow! Yeah, but I played basically most of them at some point or another, and Gradius Five will probably be my favorite when I actually finish that one. But Gradius Interstellar Assault is really cool for a bunch of reasons. Um, it does the thing where it goes from the atmosphere into the planet, and it has the little like um, heat up thing beneath you mm-hmm. like the thing that penis energy does in all of his games like like who uh penis energy sorry right right and um it does that there are no um levels it is it transitions from level to level uh smoothly like with actual transitions and everything it's just one continuous long level and that's such a cool cool thing it has like boss fights and little cutscenes and different music and music changes and transitions but like it doesn't just do level one level yeah two, there's level no hard three. break for like a level screen or anything exactly it just, it just keeps going it's really cool I, I know i can't think of um many other shmups that do that um can you can y'all think of like any actually not off the top of my head no mm-hmm there's a boss at the very beginning that chases you and you can't hurt it. And then the last few levels, you fight it again for real. Mm-hmm. And it's like been upgraded with the volcano from the first game on top of it. It's and which, then, which um, is utterly silly, which is great. Yeah. Um, and then you fight it and then you descend into the atmosphere and it burns up in the atmosphere and falls away with a, like a bunch of transitional sprites. It's a gorgeous game. It's really cool uncommon. Thing. It's really uncommon when you consider that it is a Game Boy game. That I know. There's so much. There, there are so many actual art assets in that game, uh, mm-hmm. and, and making everything look distinguishable from one another. Exactly, and there's like um, the frame rates are a little, uh, is pretty dodgy. It's uh, choppy. Yeah. Yeah. And but you know I I got used to that, and then I was and after that it was really fun. The difficulty curve is really nice. Mm-hmm. Like I can, I could get for there's infinite continues, and I could survive from every checkpoint without having power ups before the checkpoint. Mm. Like so, there's no Gradius syndrome. You can keep playing the game and just keep playing it until you win. And then I did that over twice in two days, and just had a blast. <laughs> um, there's a is an escape sequence after you after you beat a boss and you chase the final boss's escape pod. And it, like, when it blows up, it shoots, like, a Gygus face on the screen for a split second. Yep. <laughs> um, it's, you get captured mid-game, and you barely escape from being trapped in the prison inside the big, big spaceship, and then you blow it up, and then there's more game after that. Mm-hmm. 
it's an yeah. interesting game because it it handles a narrative without bogging itself down with like lengthy or wordy cutscenes. Exactly. Um, it's it's like a more advanced version of the um, kind of subtle storytelling transitions I noticed in Solar Striker and Super Zalixer, mm-hmm. where they would like go from being in space, fighting the asteroids, to descending into the planet and going to the core. Mm-hmm. Um, or like Toho 11, kind of. Yeah. And they, it's just this really cool thing that fits a lot of the kinds of things I like to do with my games. Like, it's it's a shmup that's kind of structured like Fugitive. Um, so it really, really was cool. And I'll probably play that a lot more. I imagine that's pretty satisfying to have not played that game, but seeing like some of those hallmarks of that game actually already be in your work. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, there's just very little cruft. There's no, there's not even any moe heads, which is really <laughs> weird. But because Gradius is like really really conservative and backwards looking a yeah. lot of the time, so this is the one that feels um, like I'm way more of an art type person, <laughs> but. This is the really cool and progressive in a lot of ways that I haven't really seen shmups take um, take inspiration from. It was like playing it and then being like, "I want to make another. I want to make another game like this. I want to make a game like this." <laughs> it was just you know, a really cool feeling. Do you know what year this came out? Let me look it up. Um, yeah, I know it was the second yeah. um, Game Boy Gradius game. And, like, the first one was, like, a pretty standard, like, pastiche of the previous ones, right? Yeah, yeah. I only knew there was the first one, which is called Nemesis, mm-hmm. which is yeah, a cool I, title, but uh-huh. <laughs> that game's yeah. pretty much just a remake of Gradius 1. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this one, this came out in 1992, so... Um, yeah, I, I'm just saying, I have literally never heard of this until you mentioned it. It's really good, you, sh- you should try it out. I'm just mm-hmm. like, there's a second Gradius game? What? <laughs> like, yeah, it was released in Europe as um, Nemesis 2. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, and in Japan. So they retitled it here using the Gradius name. Mm. Yeah, it uh, sounds really cool. Like, Yeah, I really dig it. I was really impressed. Um, so then I got to, on, I went on vacation and visited my aunt. And last time I was there, I played through most of Saga 2 and had a blast because that is. A, a genuinely really fucking fun game. Um, so I started playing another RPG, and I, play, I played Final Fantasy IV. Good all choice. the way through. <laughs> over this little vacation. Looking, looking at your Twitter all over the course <laughs> of the weekend, it's like you were trying to attempt a speedrun of this game. A, a low-level speedrun of some sort. Well, basically, I mean, I wasn't, like, really trying to do that. I was just, like, playing, like, casually trying to be fast and low level like sort of the way that i played through neptunia the second time yeah exactly like because when when you're a lower level um game is more intense boss fights are harder and that's fun stuff and even some normal trash enemies are gonna totally wreck your day exactly um later dungeons jesus (laughs) oh my goodness so that game moves oh Uh, yeah it just fucking goes it from the word from the word go. <laughs> um, it's they, a pretty good place to start going, I think. I know <laughs> they they got, got the trumpet theme playing at the start, um, and from there they have that cool ass intro cutscene, mm-hmm. and then it just 
just moves, 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 moves. There's there's very little like side content. There's like the um, the Sylph Cave, which is actually pretty hard. I realize when you're trying to get everything because I found this one side room that leads out of the dungeon, which I didn't realize, and has six trap treasure chests with really hard fights. Yep. Um, and there's the summons, which are optional if you want to beat the game ever. <laughs> uh, because Bahamut is so good. Oh, yeah. Um, and um, ex- getting Excalibur. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's about the extent of the side quest stuff. I got it done in like an hour and a half. Oh, and getting Odin. Um, yeah. So for, aside from that, it just is going from one cool set piece to the next. I, I went over this with Fresno. Um, the th- things that make Final Fantasy IV cool. Um, you know the fight, the magnetic cavern and the fight with the dark elf at the end? Mm-hmm. Like you go through this cavern and you, it's magnetized, so you can't wear any metal equipment or weapons because it paralyzed. paralyzed you. Yeah. So you have to like buy bows for your <laughs> swords people and be kind of crippled moving through this dungeon. And then you get to the end and fight the dark elf, and it overpowers you, and you're like, if only I could use my sword. And your friend, um, who is injured, um, play, pulls himself out of bed in a cutaway cutscene and plays this magic harp that intertwines with the one you have he gave you earlier in the game and it plays this magic tune that uh, cripples the dark elf and turns off the magnetic cavern so you can equip your step away and equip your metal weapons and your sword and he like screams and then turns into a dragon and you have a and the, you have a really tough boss fight and like that one set piece is cooler than like literally anything in saga 3 like the whole game of Saga 3 and a lot of 8-bit JRPGs, there's nothing as exciting as that one set piece. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a real interesting use of the game's mechanics to exactly. tie into the narrative. And, like, the whole game is that. Yeah. <laughs> they have... Um, every, another thing, um, in, like, Final Fantasy 6 and 5 and 6 and even 7 to a point, there's a lot of bosses that are just kind of there. Like, you walk up to a like there's a couple, there's a number of bosses in six where you just walk up to a, a guy standing in front of a door, um, talk to him, and then it cuts immediately into a boss fight. Yeah. Um, every boss in, in Final Fantasy IV has a little introduction, uh, maybe a musical fanfare. It's tied into some of the other characters a lot of the time. Like the Calcabrena boss fight is just kind of thrown in there, but they have this little dance sequence and they have their own unique song. Um, that plays into the fight, and they have their own cool gimmick where they morph together, and then if you take too long to kill them, they split back apart. <laughs> um, and that's just one boss. So the whole game is just dense, densely packed with all these cool moments, uh, like the attack on Fabul, um, Rydia getting over her fear of fire, um, by, and learning a spell in the process, everything kind of tying together. It's full of great tunes, like um, the boss theme. It's oh, just yeah. so good. Yeah. yeah. Um, Basically, every tune from that soundtrack is instant classic material. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, like the SNES is made up of dopey MIDI trumpet samples and strings. Mm-hmm. And Final Fantasy IV is all that, and it just kind of like is selling you on the worth of that sound chip. Yeah, um, yeah. You played the GBA remake, right? That's true, yeah. I didn't actually get to hear a whole lot of it because I was playing it low volume for a bunch of it, but mm. I played the game like six times, so I could I knew what the music was. That is a on. 
fantastic version of that game as well. Mm-hmm. It's it's just so much better. The translation is obviously it's just, so sharp. Yeah, it's miles ahead of what was originally released in ninety one or ninety two. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the cut content from the original uh, Final Fantasy two US was, is there. It is there now. Uh, they've you know the difficulty is back. It's not you know stupidly yeah. easy. Like the item placements aren't set up to where you'll just always have the thing to beat the boss so mm-hmm. yeah i was i i thought that the gba version was easier than the original game like it was somewhere in between easy type and hard type but i looked around because i was moving through the game so well <laughs> but i looked around and it looks like it's just the art the original version of the game translated so i think i'd over overblown the original difficulty in my head too much yeah um, so and but the, the the new it's uh, perfect the way it is. The upgraded graphics are definitely a big help too. Um, yeah, they just really, they look so really much classy. better. It's um, just kind of like a very um, minor in a good way. It's in um, between. Okay. It's in between Final Fantasy two and Final Fantasy three. Uh, if we're talking, you know, U.S. releases oh. here, it's it's in between those two, uh, and it's yeah. a, it's a really good um, it's a compromise great between both styles. It's because you look one. at like the you look at like the PSP remakes, and they're just these garish, ugly things mm-hmm. um, because they just have like hyper HD 2D graphics, but they play the exact same way. So everything's on a tile. Everybody, every character is the same square shape, uh, and um, battles are still just a bunch of characters stepping forward, slashing the air, and monsters taking damage. But it's with this super, like, hand-drawn graphics, so it just looks dumb. <laughs> Whereas the, with... I think the bosses look okay in that version. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, they, that's pretty... They just don't animate or anything. Exactly. So it looks weird. <laughs> and when you have something like... What you have that, when you kind of keep the original look like the advanced version does, then it doesn't look like it's um, anachronistic, I guess. Mm-hmm. You're not. You're, it's not 32 bit music over 60. Like, yeah, over 16 bit graphics over 8 bit gameplay, like Final Fantasy Origins or the equivalent with the PSP stuff, or like the East uh, games, the uh, one and two, where you had oh, these yeah. like ridiculously great CD quality soundtracks over these like 16 bit graphics, and it just did not work. Just mm-hmm. created too much of a disconnect for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they gave you the option to turn on the PC88 stuff, which I think you. Said you used mo- yeah, most yeah, it's way better, mm-hmm, for sure. So that I think, aside from, I, I can't think of another RPG that just moves like Final Fantasy IV does. Like um, Chrono Trigger is kind of more episodic. Um, Final Fantasy VI is the has the sand- sandbox half. All of, both are obviously structured really well for those games. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna propose a game that moves that way. The, a game that, just, that, that, that just keeps moving. <laughs> And it doesn't stop for anything. Uh-oh. Parasite Eve. <laughs> and Final Fantasy thirteen. Oh my that god. That game moves and it just <laughs> keeps going. <laughs> I actually was thinking about Final Fantasy thirteen while playing that game and thinking what is what is making this work for me and that not. And granted I only played five hours of thirteen, so I I'm not the person to judge huh, there. You're only one fourth through the tutorial then. Huh. <laughs> Yeah, here's the difference. You finished under 15 hours, right? Or 20 exactly. hours? Yeah. Final Fantasy is a little bit longer than that. Yeah. And mo- and and a lot of the story is just kind of like, oh, we have to keep moving. We have to keep moving. 
oh, we need to move and find our focus. And that's all, that's all jolly. Um, but four is like keeps moving and there's like a variety of different like character motivations and set pieces. Mm-hmm. Also, there's no like, there's n- no character customization, basically. No, not at you, all. You can equip your character, you can equip your weapons. And then aside from that, you're just, you just have to deal with whatever the game gives you at that point in the plot. And you, Final Fantasy IV uh, for the DS, um, they, the they, added, they added a ton of customization uh, to the characters where you could, like, give other characters other characters' abilities and stuff. So you could have, like, Kane have the cry ability. <laughs> did they? I, I don't remember that at all. Mm-hmm. I don't. No, they oh. did. I used it a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, the DS, I, I, li- I liked the DS version when I played it. It's obviously just a completely fucking different game. Um, just for how it flows, how it works, for how it works. It's almost kind of like a megatonization. Yeah, it really is. Well, in in a way... With the bullshit deaths and everything. Like, with as difficult as it is, and, like, the fact that, like, buff and debuff spells actually have a worth in the DS game. Mm Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, that's, that's like, the one bit of cruft in the design of 4, is all those kind of useless abilities... Um, like you, you never use cry <laughs> in the SNES version of Final Fantasy. You never have, like, you do not have to bother lowering an enemy's defense for any reason. Exactly. Um, so Final Fantasy Four is cool in that uh, for the DS is cool for that kind of mega ten ish focus on all of those different kind of systems and making everything really hard. So it really forces you to use that. But it's a slower game. It's more customization heavy. Um. And it's just obviously a very different experience. And I like that it... Um, I like that it didn't have the big dumb dungeons from the Game Boy Advance version. I, I remember playing the optional... The added dungeons in this, I remember being just really eye-rolly and lame when I played them, like, seven just, years ago. Just kind of bad ways to pad out the game. Yeah, kind of like... Just like the added dungeons in the Chrono Trigger DS remake. And just uh, the Final Fantasies them. and the Final Fantasy VI Advance, and they actually, they like added a bunch of espers that didn't really make sense either. Oh, yeah. Like, by, the, by the time I got to 5 and 6, I knew not to bother with that stuff. Like, Gilgamesh is an esper for some reason, even though he's not in... He's, like, a main villain in Final Fantasy V. In, he's an Esper in 5 or an Esper in 6? Six? 6. I think I got him. Huh, I didn't know that was added from <laughs> the SNES game. Yeah, that wasn't the SNES game. No. Oh, okay. That's the only version of 6 and 5 I've played, actually. At least to completion. Mm. Um, so, 4... And the weird thing is, like, I had the ATB, the battle speed almost at max, um, and I had it on active for the whole game. And... Okay, not the whole game. I turned it down because I felt like I thought I was really underleveled for Zeromus. Mm-hmm. Um, I was around level 50. Mm. Um, and every other time I beat in the game, I was like level 65. Or yeah, yeah, that's level usually, usually where I end up at, uh, at the end of the game, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I played the DS version, I wanted to get Meteor, so I played, got up to level 80. Jesus! <laughs> and just, just creamed. Um, it, it, didn't, it went by pretty fast, actually. Um, they level up faster, I think, in in that game. Well, in the final dungeon, they're like the entire final dungeon is basically a, a glut of experience. Anyway, exactly. Yeah, I was just in the last, like, in the crystal floors, just racking it up. Yeah, and um, of course that, and uh, they have like a break damage limit in <laughs> ability in Final in the DS version, so mm-hmm. you have the opportunity to just totally break the game over your knee. And that's the other cool thing about the SNES game is that you can't really do that in no. 
literally from Final Fantasy V on, all of the Final Fantasy games you can just completely break or bork in oh, yeah. some cool ways. Um, six, obviously. Seven, for sure. Eight, eight, seven has knights of the round. It just <laughs> in the game. It's like here, here's a eight summon is. that at a normal level will destroy the final boss in one hit. Eight, eight. has the junction system and ability to you, and you can like really cheese uh, cheese yourself into limit breaks every turn if you want. Uh huh. I actually don't know about nine. That one might be. Um, I haven't played that one. I bet it might be pretty um, sharp, just from what I hear. Mm. Um. 10, if you do any of the side quest stuff, then mm. it's over. Um, but for, you know, you basically the whole time I was playing that game, I was thinking, am I going to be able to beat the final boss with this loadout? I'm you're, going dreading, really you're, dre- you're dreading seeing the words Big Bang appear at the top of the screen. Dreading the words Big Bang appear at the top of the screen. So for the final boss, I set the speed down to like four or five and um, put it on weight. Um, which is wimpy, but... <laughs> I've heard the final boss is nearly impossible with the battle speed at one. I, I believe it. Um, and, but, so, Big Bang killed Edge and Rydia at full HP. <laughs> Not surprised at that level. Uh-huh, and so I would... Rydia was basically dead for the whole fight. Um, so oh. I didn't have, I didn't have Bahamut, but I was throwing my Excaliburs and everything, um throwing all the i had all the best weapons um bahamut was the other dark bahamut is so fun because bahamut is a gimmick fight you um realize you need to cast reflect it's still a little bit tough if you're not at a high level because you can only cast one reflect at a time and i was at battle speed two on Mm. active um so i actually didn't get all reflect on all my guys before he um used mega flare um but dark bahamut starts the battle off with a mega flare and then cast reflect on himself and cast flare on himself over and over. Yeah. So that fight's really fun, and the way it tweaks that other fight. So this whole game is full of these. So because I was moving from dungeon to dungeon really quickly, it honestly kind of felt like a bit of an action game <laughs> because I was playing at a high speed and move, and the variety was really high, and there's a bunch of stuff that isn't just dungeon crawling like the um like the Scarmiglione fight where he attacks you from behind and everything um it felt really kinetic in a way that I can't really think of any other RPG that's quite like like Chrono Trigger is all the all, all of the um battles are static because they appear in the same place every every time mm-hmm um there's an interesting conversation talking about how by sac- that random encounters are on Twitter. The random encounters are weird and ugly and kind of weird, bizarre, but they also provide this kind of interesting tension and randomness where you don't know when you'll get attacked next. And I like I, in the uh, Shin Megami Tensei games where you have an indicator that goes from green to red depending on mm-hmm. how close you are to getting into a fight. And I know that there are times, like, I remember when I was dinkling around with uh, Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne. Um, mm. which is another game I'm definitely going to get to this year, um, mm-hmm. that any time that they started going orange to red, it was just instant panic mode. It was like, oh, no, <laughs> no, no. Not now. Not now. Just it's a great get, feeling. Let me get back to the save point, please. So FF4 is this game where it moves really fast. You don't have to grind. If no. you don't, 
If you don't, then it's you die a little bit, just enough to you know keep you on your toes. Um, like Calcabrana killed me. Like I didn't expect Calcabrana to kill me. <laughs> um, and I just kept, but I just kept moving forward. Didn't ran away from some fight, some from some fights, fought most of them, and and fights until are, I got to the final dungeon where I was just like shit, 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 shit. <laughs> fights are pretty easy to run away from in that game too. Yeah, uh, and the penalty for doing so is just some gill. Exactly, and you can um. And by the in the last in the last couple floors, you by the end you have um, edges smoke ability, so yeah. you can really easily escape. So you can just like toke up and go to a completely different world altogether, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so I so I wound up spending like of the fourteen hours I played it. It says I spent about three hours from on the final dungeon on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like teleported out, like four times maybe like getting in there getting treasure um the first time i went in i died like on the sixth floor or something and that was really demoralizing so from there on i was really careful um and it was just this really fun exciting experience because it's so kinetic the active time battle system is more like intense in this game than like in any other one i can think of it really it's the only one where i genuinely feel hurried um selecting (laughs) Scrolling down the menu to find, um, like, Kuraga. It's and the one game Don't where... certain attacks have, like, certain delays on them, too? Yes! Because, yes. so, like, just because you select an attack does, or a certain spell or something doesn't mean it's always going to come out immediately. If it's like exactly. a flare, if it's like a flare or something, it might be, like, five or ten seconds before that actually comes out, so you've exactly. really got to work that into your strategy. Exactly. In Final Fantasy VI, I remember playing that afterwards and realizing every time I select an attack the attack immediately happens right after. Yeah. And I remember being really disappointed, like, oh, all right, I guess I'll just double cast Ultima now for 2H, 2MP. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, when I played it as a kid, I thought it was so cool how Meteo took, like, fucking forever to cast. Yeah. But, like, when you got it off, like, 10,000 damage, yeah. Like, that feels good. good. Oh. So it was definitely kind of a risk-reward against Aromas, like, can you keep Riddy alive that long? Mm-hmm. It, it's really cool. Um, so, and, and all the ways that the characters are, like, characterized through their, like, little mechanical things. Like, Tella, um, when he levels up, did you know that his um, physical attributes actually degrade over time? Yep. That's so uh. cool. He doesn't get any new MP so he always stays at ninety. So he yeah, so he can never cast meteor. Yeah, so he can't cast meteor until the story dictates it. Exactly, and it kill and it makes sense when it kills him. Mm-hmm. Um, Golbez is so competent, mm-hmm. <laughs> and his theme is genuinely intimidating because he's so competent. Every time he is succeeding, you always feel like you're um, he's one step ahead of you through the whole story. It makes things feel really intense, and it doesn't feel contrived. No, no, him feeling him being powerful does not feel contrived. There's a lot that does feel contrived. Oh, obviously, yeah, but those are that those are like the campy things that make that game and give it character. Exactly. Like Yang and um Sid dying like 5 minutes from each other. Yeah, it's, and then it's, coming back 2 hours later. Yeah, it's goofy as hell. Exactly. But the the goofiness and like the weird like kind of feeling like they made it up as they go alongness of the plot where it starts in Baron, ca- flying to Baron Castle and ends in the center of the moon. <laughs> it's so good! 
It's so great. It's just, it's a lot like Parasite Eve, I think. Like yeah, you said. yeah. They're they they both move at a very good clip. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't, and the characters are really are nicely nicely characterized. Yeah. So even though the story is like dumb, it also kind of functions in a nice way. Yeah. Like Final Fantasy V is fucking dumb. But, but it doesn't. It doesn't work. have the charm. <laughs> it doesn't have that charm or character at all. It is the driest Final Fantasy story, next to Final Fantasy One. Mm-hmm. It's the like the, in Final Fantasy Four. You know what all the characters want. Um, Cecil wants to redeem himself for his stained past. Um, Rosa wants to protect Cecil. Rydia, da 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 da. It, every character has clearly defined motivations. And when you get to the end, it's the bad guy's fucking racist. He hates humans for being inferior to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that hate breeds the ultimate incarnation of evil that is defeated using the combined power of the hope and spirit and friendship of all of humanity, which is way up my alley. Yeah. It's, That's it's, a theme that you really seem to enjoy. It's, it's, it's a great Sailor Moon ending. <laughs> yep. The final boss Sailor. fight. <laughs> I've been trying to coin the you work the phrase all that Sailor Moon shit into my um, lexicon because I love all that Sailor Moon shit. I love it everywhere it shows up. I love it when it's like kind of smart, like Chrono Trigger's like the stuff before Chrono Trigger's final boss fight is really like nuanced and smart Sailor Moon shit. Exactly. And and Final Fantasy IV is kind of slight and Saturday morning cartoony, but still like functional and kind of beautiful Sailor Moon shit. <laughs> Just like all of the Sailor Moon shit in Sailor Moon. Um, so I, played- I love the ending to that game. <laughs> it makes me so happy when all of your friends come and cheer you on and their prayers give you the strength you need to fight off the ultimate evil. It and each prayer, each so prayer great. gives each prayer gives all of your characters like a little health back at a time. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. It's an interesting way they set that up. It's perfect. Ugh. What were you gonna say? Penis energy. Uh, <laughs> when I played Neptunia and got the true ending, like that is some Sailor Moon yeah, shit. Yeah, that I is some that. Sailor Moon shit. Mm-hmm. Persona's got it's... some great Sailor Moon shit because fa- power, friendship, and all that. Um, yeah. Yeah. When. When you become attuned, when I become attuned, now that I've kind of become attuned to it, I'm realizing just how much all of the stuff in my life that I love is full of Sailor Moon shit. <laughs> because <laughs> I am full of Sailor Moon shit. <laughs> oh my. And this is why it's so perfect that Sayara draws you now with a little Sailor Moon tiara. It really is. It's perfect. Exactly. It has to stick. So, um, Final Fantasy IV is my favorite in the series. It's the only one I've beaten more than once. Um, It's not the best one. It's not the most artistically nuanced. Like, that's probably... That's six, seven tactics are probably, like... Oh, yeah. The ones you'd want to put in a museum, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah. I haven't played... I would would put four uh, in a museum. I would put it in four in a museum. I absolutely adore that game. Mm -hmm. It's like... I reread Pat's article on it, and he compared it to, like, kind of talking about the pulp comics in, like, the 50s and 60s, mm-hmm. and how if you embrace them on their own terms, you can see just, like, the impe- impeccable craftsmanship that goes into them, yeah. and 
appreciate them for what they're trying to do and succeeding at. And I think more than any other Final Fantasy game, 4 does exactly what it wants to do. Yeah. It just nails it. And I love it for that. And because it's probably the most fun um, JRPG I can think of. Um, it's, it's high up there, for sure. Yeah. So, <laughs> that game's good. Yeah. It's, it was, for the longest time, it was my second favorite game. And it's really up there, still. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, love it to be. It was the second RPG I ever played. Um, not, count, not counting Pokemon, I played... I, I had this, like really cool 17-year-old friend from Kentucky who <laughs> gave me... She gave me... Um, no, she we, we played Chrono Trigger when she visited, and then I got my mom to buy me that with um, by saying that I would mo- sleep... Uh, that I would share a room with my brother from then on so that I could get Chrono Trigger. Wow. <laughs> and then I played it to pieces. And then she had already bought Final Fantasy IV on the PlayStation, so she gave me her... Um, SNES cartridge, and I played that to pieces. That's really cool. So it's really nice, and I and I played the advanced version, I played the PS1 version, I played the DS version. This game has just kind of grown up with me. Yeah, I've I've uh, gone a similar route with that game. I've played nearly mm-hmm. every version of it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it it ha- to say it's grown up with me wouldn't be quite be accurate, but to say that I've found. I've never ceased finding ways to appreciate it, and I love it as much now as I ever have. Yes. So. I am 255% with you there. Cool. So, Final Fantasy IV is a, is a great thing. If you and haven't was, played it, go play it. Yeah, it's... I, I, I saw a person on Twitter who said that, um... I haven't actually played 4, 5, and 6 yet, and I was like, 4 and 6 are essential, and I envy you the two beautiful experiences <laughs> you, um will have at some point in the future, ideally. <laughs> um, awesome. Final Fantasy's hey, great. Did yeah. you guys know they made a sequel on the Wii? Whew. Final Fantasy IV, The After Years? So, you know what's funny about that game? Uh-huh. <laughs> the way it's made, it's extremely easy to save over your own file. Because you, you, there's like a bunch of different episodes. Mm. Um and when you complete an episode and start a new episode, if you save over the data file of the last episode you played, it deletes it. Oh. So great. I did that twice. <laughs> Lovely. With wow. different, starting with different episodes. You have to purchase each episode individually. And I bought a bunch of them at once because I was like 14 or whatever. Also, every single thing about that game is shit. <laughs> okay, that's what I was waiting for. So what do you yeah, think of I, it? Yeah, it's shit. Yeah, literally, it's just a big long tedious dungeon crawl and every plot bit is just ripped from four and every enemy is a repal is a recoloring of four they have a shitty double tech system that isn't explained properly um yeah that game is hateful (laughs) damn yeah it's it's loathsome Um, that's too bad oh no it's it's very bad yeah and the fact that it was packaged with four on the PSP version is part of why I it's hilarious. Kind of, I'm just like, no, no, no. It's like here it is, the complete vision. No the definitive edition. That is there's nothing definitive uh, about that. Uh, no I'm thanks. sure the version's fine if you can get into the aesthetic. Um it might be because like in a way there is no real definitive version of four because as much as I love the advanced version, it's 
kind of buggy. Oh yeah, yeah. Times. Um, the and I, you'll pre- I'll press right, and it won't register for like a second or something. Yeah, there's some uh, in especially badness. in battle. There's some really bad menu slowdown that can exactly, occur. and uh. that is really and you can feel how if they just tighten it up just a little bit more, it would be just it really would just be like this great action game basically of menu selection. Um, and the SNES version, the um, original translation is garbage, and the original and the way they butchered all the mechanics is awful. Um, the most popular fans translation and the one like finished one is kind of actually secretly terrible because it just adds a bunch of like bullshit a pop culture references and b like um, vulgarity that oh, wasn't God, there. Yeah, there's a Final Fantasy VI translation I played a long time ago that just added so much unneeded profanity that it was ridiculous. Yeah, it's like this is the most popular Final Fantasy IV fan translation, and it has Kane calling Rosa a whore. <laughs> Fantastic. Ready wow. um Sa- Edge calls Radia a bitch. It's really dumb. And the PlayStation version I I've heard is lame. I, I don't didn't play enough of it to really remember. It's not um, very good. Yeah, the but- DS version is the same is a completely different game, so you can either embrace it on its own merits or not and either ways makes sense. And the PS3 version is ugly. So the, I'll take the advanced version for its little bit of lack of tightness um, for all of its other virtues uh, and being portable. And I really appreciate it for, I think it's probably my favorite version, yeah. Cool. And if you really want, you can bring Palem and Porum to the final boss. Yes, you can. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, I play. I remember playing through all of those dumb optional dungeons. I'd never finished them because it's like they're kind of a little randomly generated. The um, Final Fantasy Dawn of Soul one and two Dawn of Souls did the same thing, and the, the optional dungeons are just dumb. Um, but yeah, I really love that game to pieces. Cool. And there was there was one more thing that I <laughs> might love more, man, uh, that I wouldn't shut up about. Neither oh. did the rest of the internet. Oh God, I'm <laughs> I'm really sorry. <laughs> Everybody. I'm gonna say this, and I'm just I'm just gonna be out and out with it. I don't care who I piss off. Okay. I at one point was very excited at the thought of checking out Steven Universe. Mm-hmm. And ever since that finale aired, I am so sick of it. I don't ever wanna see it now. People have done nothing. They've not shut up. They're still talking. I remember one time I logged into Tumblr and 14 posts in a row were just Steven <laughs> Universe. And I was just like, that's when I hit critical mass and was like, I don't want to see this anymore. I'm sick of it. I am utterly oh. sick of it. <laughs> All right. The context for that. It's not just that they aired the finale last week. They aired six new episodes in a row and the two-part finale on one day on Thursday. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, there were six new episodes of the show that normally only aired weekly. So it's, it's a 10-minute show, so that's not ex- it's not exactly equivalent. But what if there are, like, three new episodes of Breaking Bad, including in the finale, that came out in one week? Right, you would have that same amount of hype, I imagine, but it's mm-hmm. just, it's so saturated it for me right now that it's just yeah. like, I've had enough. Yeah. 
So, so it's it's annoying they... for sure, but it it makes sense considering just how. Just I'm not saying I don't understand out. it. Believe me, uh-huh. I understand it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It, it's just wow, people rated it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Are yeah, they are we, dumping that show? No, they're not. I was terrified at first that they were dumping it because that's what they six did. Six episodes with Korra. in a row. That's what they did yeah. with Cora. But great. If you <laughs> can tell, I think they might have actually done done it as a hype building thing. Yeah, because wouldn't surprise it, me. Because it it really seemed like that worked. If it that's sounds what they like that's when I started hearing about that show is when it yeah. was on the chopping block, and then suddenly just this burst of love seemed to groundswell from out uh-huh. of nowhere. Yeah, and this they're working. They've they're finishing up like the finale right now of the se- second season because um, they start them so long in advance. Yeah, which yeah. is nice because it means that the actual quality of the show is very insulated from all of the hype right now because mm-hmm. like. That happened with like Avatar and Korra is the hype of the fans directly impacted the quality of the show <laughs> in dumb ways, especially near the end of the first show with with all that kind of tacked on romance stuff. But um, so Steven Universe is episodic for the most part. And about halfway through the first season, they start really introducing some kind of sequential storytelling beats which made me terrified at first um, because I thought they were going to ruin it. I thought, um, like, Adventure Time, I play, I watched the first three seasons and there's basically no sequential storytelling. Um, and then the fourth season where there's a, a good bit of sequential storytelling. And then the fifth season, now there's, like, whole episodes devoted to Adventure Time lore. <laughs> <laughs> and it just... It feels kind of self-important in a weird way, and it I kind of held back from that show a little bit now. Um, so I didn't really want to see Steven Universe going down that road. But the thing with Adventure Time is that they introduce all of these questions about the nature of the world and don't pay them off at all in any meaningful way. Kind of like Lost? Exactly <laughs> like Lost, except... Lost, that was its kind of its deal, like every episode. Adventure Time held off for a while. But Steven Universe, by the end of its first season finale, has paid off almost every, like, question it introduced about the backstory of its world and did so in a way that didn't impugn on the very child-friendly tone of the show. Like, okay. it got, I was worried it was going to go, like, really dark, like, kind of skew in a Matica direction. Um, after the halfway through the first season, where there's a really dark episode that's also really pretty and ultimately nice and uplifting. Um, and it didn't. And I worry that they're going to go for this kind of uncomfortable tone after a couple couple kind of funky episodes. And they didn't. It's made for kids, but it works all these really mature um, ideas into its episodic stories. And I think that it has the most... Uh, the the perspective on love and relationships um, connected with me more and felt closer to my lived experience than I think any other piece of media I can think of. Oh, wow. Um, Because the center of the story is basically love, familial and romantic. Um, The, the metaphor of fusion, they, there's a lot of Dragon Ball Z kind of in the DNA of the show, along with a lot of Sailor Moon and, and a bunch of cool shit. Mm-hmm. 
but in Dragon Ball Z, it's fusion is cool because oh, it's it's um, it's Goku and Vegeta fusing into one super 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 Saiyan, super 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 Saiyan, and it's just badass. In Sailor Moon, fusion is in in um, Steven Universe, fusion is always grounded in like the character relationships, mm-hmm. and like the episode where all three gems fuse into one ultimate super gem for the first time happens about two thirds in and it's because they all it's because Steven um, was invited out to dinner by her friend's conservative parents and she think and she told them that Steven had a nuclear family <laughs> so he has them fused into one so they can all go as his mom oh that's he, awesome he like yells why couldn't you have told them that I have one, no zero moms or three <laughs> <laughs> Um, his mom, his, his dead mom is also a big presence in the show. Um, her relationships with all the people are getting re- explored. Mm. Uh, it's not paced. Like I saw one person who was really frustrated cause it's not paced like basically because it's not paced like full metal alchemist or final fantasy four for that matter. It's not like there's no real plot until like halfway through the first season. Um, and that was apparently kind of a bad thing. <laughs> And, but that's just because it's not about the alien invasion backstory or whatever. It's about the swirling relationships and how they develop around Steven. Um, and there's a big plot twist that's played super casually in the finale and a great song. <laughs> and I've listened to it kind of over and over again. And... <sighs> I've had it linked to me any number of a million times. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's just a lot about that. I, a lot about in that, sh- in that little text about the show's view of love and re- relationships and kind of the center of it is this idea from the episode alone together where Steven fuses for the first time and one of the gems grips his shoulders and says, Steven, Savani, you are not two people. You are not one person you are an experience now go have fun and i saw that and i was like i wish that this had I, we had seen this show before i'd gotten married and i said we and anna said this so that we could have had her preacher say that after we were after we were oh. with because <laughs> that that vision of that idea of not quite two people not quite one person fits very much with my lived experience of love and the show and the um, finale and the song is the actual culmination of that concept. And it actually like plays around with pronouns a lot. Like it goes from first person, plural, the first person, singular, first person, plural, and then eventually to third person, plural, at which point love exists, not just between the two, but outside of them as well. It's really like poetic and beautiful and transcendent, all those great words. Um, and it just kind of stuck with me in like this really powerful way. And, yeah, ugh, yeah I, I really like Steven Universe a lot. Um, I'm worried that saying stuff like the, best, the my favorite syndicated cartoon makes it like, see, it makes it seem like quote more than it is because it's still like an episodic show it still airs on cartoon network but like for what it's 
is and what it's doing. It's just really meaningful to me. And I, and I love that it still is resolutely made for children. I really love that a show like that can be successful in this day and age because you yes. really don't you really seem to have more fewer and fewer shows that are willing to take those kind of risks they they mm-hmm. there seems to be a lot of uh leaning towards just the the really stupid gags the really one off things yeah. characters that don't have any any depth to them and the fact that they're willing to try that with a 10 minute show no less is yeah. is really impressive there's there's maybe a lot of doctor who dna just with okay. the way that they explore like really complicated sci-fi concepts and then squeeze them into 10-minute episodes, like one where Steven travels in time and beats a bunch of copies of himself, and then they start fighting, and it ends with Steven watching all of his time travel clones dying. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like horrified watching wow. as he himself dies over and over and over again. And then they sing a song about it. And it, and, um, it has like... Like with Adventure Time, there's a lot of kind of shitty gender politics stuff. Mm. Um, like with Lumpy Space Princess and expectations built around her. And <sighs> Adventure Time is like the most Tumblr friendly show ever. <laughs> Every character has like a different body type. Multiple characters aren't just skinny, um, like Sailor Moon or Nick characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Rose Stephen's mom, who's just always shown as like this figure of perfect goodness and beauty and kindness and love, is also just really big, <laughs> and she's never there's so there's two overweight characters in the main cast, and it just never makes a fat joke. That's really great. Mm-hmm. A bunch of different races. Um, Stephen's really good friend Connie is black. Um, Garnet is black, who, and both are just some of the best characters on the show. Mm. Oh, so it's just kind of this thing where you can prod it from like every angle and it's really nice. And yeah, that's, that was, that was a really th- thing that's just kind of stuck in my brain since last Thursday. It's that definitely was, something I want to give more of a look to. It, it's really inspiring again, that a show like that, can be successful mm-hmm. and it gives me hope for just more people to take uh, risks in the future yeah absolutely and I think I heard someone say they're, they were greenlit for a third season I haven't heard that confirmed oh. I, I, I figured as long as as long as there's a second season as long as there are a hundred episodes a hundred ten minute episodes that's as much as there is a full metal alchemist if they can bring it down to a nice bring it around to a nice conclusion then mm. then I'll be satisfied if there's a third or fourth or fifth season, that's obviously fantastic. But a hundred episodes, and I think I'll feel like okay, I have not been cheated out of any great things here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's just not that taxing because it's it's ten minutes each episode, so it just flows very, very easily. Like it's a very easy to watch show. In addition to all the cool stuff it does. Exactly. Yeah, you don't have a lot of time for filler and to just pad things out like that. Mm-hmm. I can't think of any filler. There's a bunch of episodes you can take out and not affect the plot, but that doesn't matter. That's not the but the kind of show it is. Yeah. Cool. So <laughs> definitely sounds like that's on the train to um, cult statusville. 
Um, I think it's there. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely kind of <laughs> oh, taken God. on. Oh, uh, God, the, the people who have the big My Little Pony website are starting a sister site. Well, oh, enjoy your fandom. Ugh. It's done. It's roasted now. It's over. <laughs> the dream is dead. Every, and the second that happened, though, everyone was angry and yelling about it. So I feel like there's... Hopefully it, it, they will be ostracized to the point of not being able to impact the overall um, perception of it's, fans it's, of the show. I don't want to have to. I don't want to have to kill you, John. Yeah, it's not going to be like My Little Pony where you can just search it on Tumblr and you get mostly porn. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. John, are you going to start calling yourself a gentleman? You can't you can't see it that I'm kind of doing this death stare thing. <laughs> I thought I heard I ju- you flipping off it. the monitor. I thought I heard you flipping off the monitor. Uh, no, I was just just staring. It was Reet's Reet's avatar on the Skype thing the whole time. So I was just <laughs> staring um him down. Penis energy, sorry. <laughs> so oh, I, I don't think I don't energy. think I don't think that I don't think the Jumbro or whatever stuff is going to really take hold. Um, I think it's already got too much of a fan base. Of a genuine fan base that isn't there for porn. Yeah, it's not fetishized in a weird way. And yeah, it just it's a really good thing. And on when you actually watch it on Cartoon Network, they have like clips that kids take of themselves saying lines from shows, the show that they're about to watch. And it's the sweetest thing in the world because it's like a bunch of 8 to 10 to 12 year olds just saying little lines from the shows that they like. And they show that on the in-between episodes and it's the nicest thing. How did we (laughs) come to the point where My Little Pony is considered fetishized? How did we let this happen? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it wasn't like an evil thing at the start. We weren't aware that it was a symptom of men wanting to steal everything pure and good from people who aren't them <laughs> and pervert and destroy it. Um, yeah, the brony ethos is evil. Everything, that just in the name itself, yeah. is about men co-opting things when everything in culture is already built around white 20-something male interests and then trying to take what isn't that, what little things aren't that, taking that too and twisting it around and making it so that it's for them and other people aren't invited. And making themselves seem so goddamn special because, oh, you watch a children's show. Uh. You watch a little girl show. You're so special. Yeah. Let me get yeah. your special snowflake badge ready and we'll just roll with that. God yeah. damn. So what, have yep. you been up to anything else, John? Went on vacation. It was lovely. Um, spent a bunch of time writing a programming language for the class and finished it, turned it in five minutes before the podcast. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. He, he's good with deadlines. Yeah, really, really. Deadlines. And yeah, that's about it. Life is good. Cool. So with that out of the way, I'm going to turn things over to, hey there, Mr. Penis Energy. I got a question for you. Uh-huh. How much penis energy do you have? Five million. Five million penis energy, ladies. That's a lot of penis energy. Look what you're missing out on. Ooh. Five million. 
that's quite a number. Wait, who's missing out on it? Um, well, somebody, <laughs> somebody that's listening. Oh, a listener. Somebody's <laughs> listening to this for the first time is just being, you know, exposed to Mr. Penis Energy for the first time. So they've been missing out, and now, you know, they've gotten their ears full of all that penis energy. I'm exposing myself. You are. <laughs> exposed. <laughs> Great. Okay, so the question, Mr. Penis Energy, is how's early access doing? Shitty. All right, and with that, do we have any news you think Uh, we should be talking about? Do we actually care about the news news? Like, I listed some stuff here that happened a few weeks ago now. I Um, I can't even see the document. (laughs) We might have Um, reached sort of like a moratorium on when it's actually important, so maybe just stuff that's happened in the last week or two i guess well I'll just run through this real quick uh gdc happened there was a bunch of vr stuff Valve yeah that's announced. that's kind of the new thing is basically everything is go- trying to latch onto this oculus rift um the yeah. oculus rift isn't even a thing people can buy yet well, i mean i get thing. it but it's just like at the same time it doesn't really apply much to me exactly. eyeball. <laughs> oh yeah true oh <laughs> Well, for, for, what announced- it's worth, I, for what it's worth, I heard one person um, say that they were at a party with a person who could only really see out of one eye, and they had a nice time just kind of being having the head tracking and being having the kind of immersive. Yeah, not so much the 3D effect, I guess. Just it's, not with a 3D. It, like yeah, that, it's it? more just like there's still an experience to be had there that I definitely am interested in trying. I just mm. don't think it's going to be for me because I just I don't like quote unquote gimmick gaming. Yeah. Anything else? Well, Oculus isn't the only game in town now. Is basically the news that Valve announced they have this whole crazy fucking headset set up, and like their tech apparently is way more advanced now. They have something that like shoots lasers all over your rooms and can detect can detect the monitor like within fifteen feet. <laughs> I like, well, I like lasers. Yeah, and I like shooting lasers. So, and, and then Sony has Project Morpheus, which looks pretty good to, as well. Like. They're talking about, like, it can do 120 frames a second. Like, it's super smooth 3D. And <laughs> I think those have release dates now, or release windows, like, end of year for Yeah, but I'm going to definitely stuff. say that stuff is not going to make any kind of release date that's currently set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't see it happening. It was just so crazy for Valve to be like, oh, yeah, and it's shipping this year. Like, yeah, sure, guys. Yeah, guys. Like, this year, Valve time. Okay, gotcha. I gotcha. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Mm-hmm. I will make a prediction right here, though. I bet Half-Life 3 will be a VR game. <laughs> yeah. I've heard crazier, so let's go with that. I mean, mm-hmm. if they're going to make VR a thing, they have to have... they the got to come out with a showstopper. They've got to make people want it. And mm-hmm. I think Half-Life is obviously the... Do you think it's code. exclusive VR, or do you think that that's going to just be one of the bigger selling points? Oh, wow. I think if they want to do it right and have, like, full, like, motion track and stuff, like, with your hands, like, it would probably have to be exclusive. Mm. Interesting. God, that would, they would, people would be really mad. <laughs> <laughs> or really excited if it turns out good. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they do that right, it could be, like, the new Mario 64, like, the most influential game ever made. Mm-hmm. So, that's just my hopeful prediction, because I really want a Half-Life 3. Uh, Anything else every, of note? Every game engine is now free, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. 
that's that's really like, cool. I'm like I said in the past, I am more and more happy that uh, that we are getting tools to people that want to create games um, that you know are just trying to get in because engines cost you know a shit ton to license. Yeah, like um, Unreal Engine three was like millions of dollars. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Or something. Like Epic didn't. Epic never had to make money on Gears of War or anything that they've done because they every every game that really kind of fucking mattered in the last five ten yeah. years is on an Unreal Engine. They've basically financed the entire game industry at some point. They've touched every yeah. company in some way. Yeah, so within, like, one day, they announced Unreal Engine 4 is now free until you ship, and then you get, like, a 5% to them or something. Yeah. And then, like, a few hours later, oh, Unity 5 is now free. And then, then, like, later in the day, oh, Source 2 is going to be free. It was so weird, just this Domino's. All of them come, it's it's almost, it's, you gotta wonder, like, was that the plan all along, or was it, or was, you know, Unreal coming out and being like, yo, dog were free was that kind of like a moment where everybody had to crap their pants clean them up crap them again and then be like all right we've kind of probably got to do this guys i wouldn't be surprised because i saw comments like on the when it was just uh unreal somebody's going oh unity has their work cut out for them now then two hours later we're free like okay (laughs) If you remember Silicon Knights, anybody who worked there has to be kicking themselves right now. Oh, my God. (laughs) Dennis Dyack, you idiot. (laughs) Way to cost an entire company, like, all of their jobs because you are an idiot. Yeah. Uh, So that's the not important news. Want the important news now? I I guess. I mean... There were two Neptunia games announced. <laughs> oh, we're moving into the real vital stuff the, now. Okay. This is the shit that matters to me. All right, all right. The first one is called something like Neptunia and Blanc versus the Zombies. Oh, dear God. And that's like an online multiplayer game. It kind of looks like PSO. What? Yeah. And my ears perked up, like right out of my headphones. I need new headphones it, now. Like, they showed some split-screen video. It actually looks kind of neat. Like, there's that Neptunia U game, which is also, like, a Musou action game, but this seems much more focused on multiplayer. Yeah. So that might be neat, hence for Vita, because mm. everything Neptunia is on Vita now, apparently. Yeah. But then the other game they announced is called Hyperdimension Neptunia versus Sega Hard Girls. Oh, good lord. <laughs> and they haven't shown anything about the game. They just had a logo, but I am fucking hype. <laughs> That's going to be the stupidest thing ever. I'm so and ready. <laughs> I want it all up in me. I hope it's not a dumb like what's that Gundam Wars or whatever. Oh, um, Robo Saga. Yeah, Super Robot Wars. Yeah. I hope it's not that style of game. That would be the worst. But anything else, I will take it. Even if it's a sports game. (laughs) Soccer. Intense soccer. Yeah, so the Sega Hard Girls are finally showing up in a video game, and it's with Neptunia. It it fits. Like, why wouldn't it be Neptunia? Yeah. You know, with his, you know, deeply rooted in video game lore, I guess you would call it, as it is, and then you've got Sega Hard Girls being its thing. Like, why wouldn't it be uh, Neptunia (laughs) being in a crossover with that? It's going to be... 
the dumbest thing. <laughs> and so I, dumb. And I want it. Yeah, so I was freaking out the night that was announced, and I can't wait for them to show more of that. And that's it for news, really. Really? So, there's, some, there's something about Nintendo getting into mobile gaming, but eh. Yeah, and like, I guess they're like already codenamed a new console, like the NX or something. Yeah. Weird. This, that was quick. Nintendo's fucking weird. They go, I, we have a new console development. We'll talk about that next year, though. Like, fuck you. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> That's not how this goes. All right, so do we have any emails? Nope. Oh, um, <laughs> oh. guess what? Um, we're done then. Um, so um, if you got any emails you want to send off to us, uh, podcast at SocksMakePeopleSexy.net, and we'll read your dumb words. Um, Mac, I want to thank you for stopping by and hanging out with us this episode. Oh, well, it has been a pleasure. <laughs> it's been pleasure. super... Super great having you on, and uh, he'll be back again uh, either later in the week or uh, next week, depending on when we record, for episode 15.2, where we're going to dive into voice acting, voice directing, anything that he wants to talk about that, you know... Basketball. basketball. And basketball. We will definitely have basketball, because that's kind of what people come to this podcast for, I think. They like They like the sports ball. Um, so Mac, where can we find you online if we want to keep up with you and all your various hijinks? You can find me as Mac the Actor on most things. That's M-A-C-T-H-E Actor on the Facebooks and the Tweeters and the YouTubes. All them things. Woo! And you got your own, uh, little collective of, uh, voice actors. Give them a plug. Uh, yes I do. My Toon Platoon casting peoples, where you will hear the likes of Edwin Ormadong Tiong very often. Uh, Kira Buckland I do a lot of work with, also known as Rena Chan. Uh, Kimlin Tran. Yeah, lots of cool peoples like thems. Neat. Neat. Yeah. Um, and John, where are we finding you? Fallawaytimes.com. You can find a link to my Twitter and my blog. Cool. Uh, Penis Energy. Where are we going to find you at? Inconsequentialexistence.com. I updated this week. You did? <gasps> no. Yep. All right. I, I posted a link to this podcast. It's a good start. It's a start. Getting there. <laughs> Bullet phase just around the corner. Yep, totally. All right. And I'm Polly, and I'm an idiot. Um, don't forget to tune in again, like I said, here a bit later. We'll have our special DMAC-a-thon. Yeah. Um, and remember, we're the podcast that loves you. We are the only ones that love you. I love all the sports. Not all of them. I love basketball. I would marry a basketball. Would it's, you really? I would marry a basketball. Really? I tried to. I tried to. They told me it was illegal or something like that. But you know, they're crazy. They don't know what I'm talking about. I thought law. I thought marriage laws were a lot less strict in Canada. I thought so, too. That's the problem. I think I'm going to need to, I don't know, move to, like, Scandinavia or something like that. You can marry basketballs in Scandinavia. I'm pretty sure. I'm going to look it up. You can.